Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 21. Can you believe it, Rob? Can you believe it? Episode 21. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. This show is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. It is the guest, the best get notice showcasing the United States of America run by Duran Forbes. Beach Volleyball National Events. Come play with us. This is also brought to you by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball. Leads the nation and recruits per capita, a family that plays together, stays together. Also brought to you by my brand, NY Varsity Sports. Watching me, watching you. Episode 21 starts right now. I did it! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> This is episode 21, Sports Debate Tuesday, along with Rob, keeping McLean McLean. I am Jason DeBeas, and we got to give the people, give the people what they want. What's good, baby? What's happening, brother? All right, good. Let's, hey, we got, um, we had an overload of topics that we had to push out because we're trying to do some, uh, uh, so much in a short time frame, but here we go. Just the same. Rob McLean, let's talk about. We're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about the NBA. NBA. Dwight Howard, um, along with Kyrie Irving, was adamant of, about not uh, playing, not wanting to play, um, or finish the basketball season this year. And this is his quote. I'm going to put it up. He says, "I agree with Kyrie. Basketball or entertainment, period, isn't needed at this moment, and will only be a distraction. Sure, it might not distract us." the players but we have resources and at hand majority of our community don't have and the smallest distraction for them can start a trickle-down effect that may never stop especially with the way the climate is now i would love nothing more than to win my very first nba championship but the unity of my people would be even bigger a bigger championship and that's just too beautiful to pass up what better time for us now to be focusing on our families and then I'll leave that up for a little bit for people to, to read the rest of it. Um, so, Rob, what are your thoughts on um, basically, I guess, Kyrie Irving? And what are your thoughts on, on this quote by Dwight Howard? Well, um, first of all, I, I want to preface this because I, I have to agree with them, but I want to preface it with um, Kyrie Irving was hurt by the time that the season was postponed. And then Dwight Howard has been, you know, pretty garbage for a long time. So um, <clears throat> them saying that, you know, to, to, to not come back and play, maybe there's some other reasons behind that. But I do agree with them, uh, or at least Dwight Howard's quote, and, and why uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> Kyrie Irving is asking for a stop to the season at least. Um, not to mention that there was just coronavirus, and we really don't know what that can that the the kind of contagiancy in sports professional sports when they're in that kind of close proximity all the time but the majority of the league is african-american and this is an african-american uh, issue going on right now has been going on and is at the forefront of our country's issues right now so uh, i don't think that adam silver at all is um insensitive i think he's one of the no. best commissioners in the league it's very progressive Absolutely. I do believe that he has a lot of people he has to talk to uh, and a lot of people he has to consult about when it comes to uh, the direction of the league. And when that comes in, yeah, it's it, I, it's crazy to me that they're even starting the league without all the teams. It seems a little wild to me, but um, people do want entertainment. People do want to not think about what's going on. So there is a market for that. And you know, on the other side of morals is business. You know, like when you give up some morals, you get great business. And, and that's really what's happening is if they don't want to support the, the issue of what's happening now, I think that the players should just walk for the season and, 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 and hold out. I mean, there's no reason. None of them have to come back at all. None of them are forced to come back. They're all going to make money next season. You know, it's, just, it's, it's how it's going to happen. And I think it's really important to step up now and continue the conversation because it's not over. It's not like, oh, uh, Minneapolis, the police department is defunded and now they're going to create a community-based uh, policing program. So it's not like there's going to be no police. There's going to be a program. 
uh, in place to replace what was happening. That's not the end. That's one place. That's one thing happening. You know, there's a lot of different type of movements going towards the same goal. And that's what I believe Dwight Howard is talking about is I could go back to something I feel safe about or I can move forward towards something that is new and is challenging and is going to be better for everybody and, and, and a better place to live if we take heed of this moment and not just say, hey, it's another trend. You know, don't follow the trend. No, Black Lives Matter is a movement for equality again it's not a new movement it's again it's the same movement it just never came to fruition so equality is the key once we find equality we can progress as a race a human race enough with all this racial stuff cool rob um listen um through his whole little uh diatribe and critique of, of what's going on. I was with him all the way because uh, I was thinking when he was talking about that, he's just talking about COVID, right? He's, I thought he was talking about like player safety and, and people not infecting each other, which is a whole different matter. But when he was talking about the what's best for his people and what's a beneficiary to his people, that's where I got to agree. I, that, that's where he totally freaking lost me. He totally lost me because um, you are a black man, okay? I... I'm I'm mixed like you, but but um, and most of my life I identify with being black, and now I just identify with being me, an American. But I'd never met a black man that let his activism or his symbolism get in the way of getting his behind to work. Okay, racial strife has never stopped a black man from going to work, and that's what we're. That's what I'm. Maybe that's not what he's talking about here, and that's why I think he's missing the point. He's. I think he's missing the point because he enjoys a certain privilege. You heard of white privilege? I want to talk to you about black privilege. I want to talk to you about Dwight Howard. I want to talk to you about LeBron James. I want to talk to you about Dwayne Wade. I want to talk to you about a a, a slew of African Americans, uh, unless they're severely misidentified, which which has happened last the last couple of days. And a couple of years ago with Blake, um, they enjoy a certain privilege too. Okay, then they they have the luxury of sitting out, not going to work. They making money because right now they are the Floyd Mayweather's and the Triple G's of this sport. But eighty percent of the NBA is living check to check because these these some of these some of these kids are just idiots. They're living beyond their means and they're they're they're, they're spending more money than they're making. And and some of them need to work. So is it a sacrifice for Dwight Howard? No, it's not a sacrifice. He's 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 LeBron's gonna be there next year. He's gonna be there next year. And and even though I don't even think they're the best team in L. Hey, everyone else thinks they're going to win the championship anyway. So as far as Dwight saying that it's a distraction, I say to you, Rob McLean, and I say to Dwight Howard, and I say to everybody listening at home or wherever you are, a distraction sometimes is exactly what we need. I'm never, listen, I've, I've done a lot of activism in my life. It ain't 24-7. <laughs> If you did activism 24/7, you would hang yourself. You would you would go uh, 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 nuts. You you need a break from the norm. Um, I'll bring your attention. It has nothing to do with race. 9/11. When 9/11 hit and the Yankees finished their season and went to the playoffs, that's what I my example of what I call a distraction is uh, a, a distraction is it inspired a city it inspired a country that doesn't even like the yankees so um for me my first take my opinion i say play because a distraction is what they need but uh, um in, in defense of what you said just like happened to taking the knee a few years ago history is going to be uh, uh, more, more educational to us than the present than the present time Rob, what am I missing? Tell me what I'm missing. No, man, I think uh, we're, we're all saying the right things. I just, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I just really do believe that uh, we need to go forward on this, on this, uh, on this path, you know. And I, I do believe that if you act, if you're an activist 100% of the time, you're in the movement. You know, the movement is your life. And that has, that's not a bad thing, but you have to understand and, and be in that. You know, you have to answer those questions each and every day. You have to do this and that. You can do that from a multitude of, of platforms. And that's what I think he's missing out on the whole not going back to work or not going to his work is that you can create conversation at your workplace. You can create the conversation 
to people who don't have the opportunity to get to meet Dwight Howard. Like all these people that work in these buildings that they're going to perform at in Florida or wherever they're going to have the 22 teams tournament. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be able to contact with these employees that work at the stadiums and have conversations with them and see how they can interact with the community to get to a different place and to, to calm the community down and to be a voice. You can do all that while getting to work and doing it on the national tele- televised uh, sport. You know, the only thing that people can watch right now. You know, yeah. that's where I think they're missing it. You can make a message like Callan Kaepernick make. Everybody can say what they want to say about Kaepernick, whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing, but it was a conversation. He's looking good now, boy. It was yeah. a conversation. And now the conversation can be like, we had precedent and nothing was done. Right. You know, we have the, we have the ability to say we did peacefully protest and then we can move the conversation forward. You know, so we just have to take heed of all, all these lives that were lost, the police brutality. Yeah. We've got to take that and go forward. We Absolutely. can't take that and go backwards. Absolutely. You know? And and for me, I'd like to take the time to commend the NBA players. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I'm criticizing um, Howard or whatever because my opinions are unsolicited. But but it doesn't mean you can't praise him at the same time because it's, it, it, his heart's in the right place and what he's trying to do and what he thinks that can affect change on a collective level. What he's trying to inspire the other players, NBA players to do is is um, is commendable. It's commendable. Uh, LeBron James is the ultimate ambassador, right? This this yep. man is trying to get people to go, to go vote. <laughs> and he didn't even say who to vote for. You know, he said, you go vote. Go vote because your voice counts. And man, man, he's got my, my respect for that man is profound. In many respects, he's my goat on and off the court. On the court or whatever. It's Jordan. We talked about it a week ago. But on and off the court, the man's an ambassador. The, the, and the, he's, he's squeaky clean. He should, he should run himself <laughs> Yeah, man, he's great at assists. What can I say? Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. And for, I mean, and I like that he said just go vote because we talk a little bit about forty five, but um, everybody's making this about Trump, and and I'm and we're going to save that a little bit at the end because we're going to talk about the difference between nationalism and patriotism and this and that and that's and that's and that's something I'm going to I'm going to save for the end of the episode but I wanted to before we moved on from the NBA to Major League Baseball that's right people um I wanted to um commend the the, the players collectively just just trying right there are no perfect men only perfect intentions so all right hey all right Definitely. cool man anything else on that one we good. All right, I like it. Um, moving on, let's go to Major League Baseball, the documentary. Oh my God, I can't remember the name, but let's just say the the documentary involves the 1998 home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and it was uh-huh. one of the more exciting times in baseball. It was unfortunately marred by controversy at the end with both players, in addition to many others popping for banned substances and performance enhancing drugs. But that's not what I want to talk about, even though it, it is attached to it. Okay, the question is, Rob, in the big scheme of things. Was it worth it? I mean, are we talking about it right now? Hell yeah, we talk. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the grander scheme of things, um, I don't believe it was, honestly, in my heart, just because I personally believe Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire would have been phenomenal players. Phenomenal players. Maybe not home run hitters. You know, maybe, you know, half the numbers. You know, they would have been, you know, Frank Thomas would have been the greatest home run hitter. That's kind of crazy to think about. But um, I think it would have just made the sport better. And I know that doesn't, it makes no sense, but um, the sport's not made to be hit for home runs. You know, it's not. And even now, just because of that little error, even now you have players that can hit home runs. Aaron Judge hit home runs all day. But when you need a really crucial double, single, you know, it's just a different game. Like, I would take Jeter over any – I would take a, a base hit. I would take a Pete Rose over any home run hitter in the history of baseball. I would take Pete Rose over Babe Ruth, honestly. It's because you're looking because, to win a ring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but in honest, because in, if you play baseball, you understand baseball, you look at baseball, you watch baseball. Somebody who can control the ball in the field – is somebody who wins. Somebody who hits the ball out the field 
it's a wonderful spectacle to watch. But in reality, when you face the best of the best, you cannot do that. It won't happen. You're just not good enough. No one's good enough. So the game is different. Uh, home runs are amazing to see, but I don't need to see 72 home runs in a season. I don't need to see 61 in a season. Like, y'all just that's just too much. Like Barry Bonds is a little different because that was pretty crazy. Like he was actually hitting it out of the ballpark, not just a home run. Like he was hitting it out landing of the ballpark. Landing in the water. <laughs> you know, landing in so the water, what, dude. <laughs> was that worth it? Probably. But was McGuire and Sosa, man? Mm. I think that the only way they were going to get their name remembered this long was through that for sure. So it was probably worth it for them. But in the in the screen of things where they're not ever going to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, their 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 names are tarnished. Um, you know, well, Mark's in the I, I don't think it's that worth it. Mark's for in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's... he got a, he got his jacket. I don't know about Sosa, but but um, the end of the documentary they put they put his jacket on. <laughs> well, well, we'll just uh, leave yeah. that where it is and not, and say that that's really fair. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Rob, before How Jose Canseco is not in there either. Yeah. So, Rob, uh -huh. listen. Um, before I give my answer, I'd like to tail off of what you just said. Like, you'd rather have a Jared Jeter or a Pete Rose, and I understand why because I think I believe those are the people that are consistent consistent with wearing winning World Series. The best baseball, Rob, is is watching like. 2009, the Yankees against the Phillies. That was a great World Series. Last year's World Series, where people were finding ways to get on base and score when only getting like one hit, right? You, you, you get on base, you, you, you steal second, you sacrifice bunt to third, you sacrifice fly home. It's like death of a thousand cuts. And those are the teams where the constant pressure uh, eventually produce a World Series champions. So the question, Rob, for me, uh, is it worth it or was it worth it? To me, the answer is absolutely yes. Okay, now I'm going to go back to 1994. I'm a little older than you, so I need you to be patient with me being, um, what's the word? Um, old? Old? Being, okay, old? All right. So 1994 was the first time the Yankees had a chance of going to the playoffs in probably 13 years. Okay? We watched the Mets win in 86. We watched the Mets go to the, the playoffs in, in 1988 again and lose to the Dodgers. We watched the Oakland A's, the Bash Brothers, and all those people. And we just slowly watching all of these talented Yankees not not be on that, that playoff stage like Don Matting at the time. He didn't he didn't make the playoffs until the, the year after. Dave Winfield, Ricky Henderson, who who's the league, the leader in uh, career stolen bases, beat Lou Brock. Um, you know, Dave Rigetti, who was one of the one of the few pitchers to pitch a no hitter that became an ace reliever. You know, Willie Randolph. Uh, you, just these this slew of just memorable players, great players that that don't have a ring. With Don Mattingly, I think, being the, the 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 high the, the cherry top the, the, the yeah the one on top I'm like how he's my he's our Barkley he's our Ewing how the hell does he not have a ring so 1994 comes it's the go New York here the Knicks were in the finals the uh, Rangers just won the Stanley Cup Buffalo Bills the team in New York were in the Super Bowl losing to Dallas again and here come the Yankees and on the other end the Montreal Expos look like they're on this collision course to win the World Series and then boom strike the media hammered them. This, these these guys went five million instead of four million, you know, and and not, now they're not going to play. It got people disgusted with the sport of baseball. And when baseball decided to come back, not a lot of people cared. Ticket sales hmm. were down, viewership was down. Don Mattingly finally made his first playoff game, and I didn't give a crap, <laughs> you know. Um, eventually, Derek Jeter, you know, they beat the Atlanta Braves, and and people still watch the playoffs, but baseball as a season just. People were like, no, I'm good. Along comes 1998. Everyone knows Mark McGuire could play. He could, he could hit home runs. His rookie year, he was rookie year. He hit 49 home runs his first year playing for the Oakland A's and eventually winning with Jose Canseco in 1989, beating the San Francisco Giants. Sammy Sosa, you knew he could hit, run, and throw. But people weren't talking about Sosa. They were like, this is the year that Ken Griffey Jr., and Mark McGuire are going to knock balls out of the park and entertain the masses and bring baseball back. And Griffey was third, wound up being third, and he was up there too. But then, boom, Mark McGuire. Boom, Sammy Sosa. Boom, Mark McGuire. Boom, Sammy Sosa. Did it have to be a bitter rival? 
No. Did they have to dislike each other? No. Did they, when they played each other, did they have to stare each other down like a bunch of South Bay uh, tough guy wannabes? No. No, it was a friendly rival, a friendly competition. It was good for kids. Because, right, if you're talking about baseball being America's pastime, got to get, it's all about the kids. Otherwise, baseball is going to die without the kids, right? Okay, need to continue the tradition. True. Kids loved it. They were mobbing him for, for autographs. Marcus doing one of these for, for Sammy Sosa. And at one point, they both had 66 home runs with a couple of days left. They both broke Mar Roger Maris's record at 61, 61 hits, who beat Babe Ruth with 60. They didn't just beat it, 66, Rob. They plowed through it with a tank. And then eventually, Mark McGuire hit four more, finished with 70 home runs. And baseball was back. People couldn't wait to see what happened next year. Couldn't wait to see what happened the year after that. Bonds ends up hitting 72 or 71. Ridiculous. I can't remember. You guys tell me. You're the baseball people. I was a baseball person. Still about my Yankees, though. Um... So to answer your question, everything we just said, and like you said in the beginning, if we're talking about it, it's, a, it's still a topic in the year 2020, this June. It's a it, win. That is a win. We're talking about it. They made a documentary of it. Rob, I had goosebumps when I saw that documentary. I, I was like, oh my God, don't tell me he's going to hit one the same night. Boom. And now you got like a scoreboard with the two of them and their home runs and everybody's looking at the scoreboard to see if like in, in, at, at Cardinals, uh, Cardinals home game, they're looking to see if the, uh, um, how Sammy's doing. And in Chicago, they got Mark McGuire up, uh, uh, like his home run stats or his stats to see if he's going to hit one. It was awesome. It breathed life back into the sport of baseball. Watching people chase after the ball in Chicago, too, in the street, watching Sammy Sosa hit it out the park. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, days, did man. you recognize Sammy Sosa? What do you mean? He got Michael Jackson white. <laughs> I didn't know. I haven't seen it. He's Ooh, Cuban, though. I guess. No, but he went from Pedro Serrano Cuban to Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> I looked at that man's complexion. I said, Lucy, you some splaining to do. <laughs> so, in a debate show, once again, Rob and I agree. It was worth it. It was worth um, it. Yeah, and, and since we're on the subject of sports and PEDs, let's move on to the next thing. And Rob's like, let's just get this Lance thing over with. <laughs> Ugh. All right, the Lance Armstrong documentary we saw a couple of weeks ago showed a lot of sides to the elite, the elite cyclists. Um, he was caring, and he was rude. He was happy. He was angry. And he was everywhere in between. Um, but, but as a common denominator, highly competitive. And after watching the documentary, the question is, why is he more villainized compared to other people who took performance-enhancing drugs or banned substances? Um, yeah, so you want you want to start this one? I think I will. Yeah. I think I think you might echo my sentiments and we can <laughs> this might be faster than you think. I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. Where's my camera? I'll tell you why, Rob. Because he went after people's careers. I'll say it again. And this time I get I'm gonna get you back on this camera. He <laughs> went after people's careers. I want to give you an example of a slew of people who, who are still beloved regardless of using performance-enhancing drugs. And, and the sport of baseball first. Andy Pettit admitted to using. He's still, mm -hmm. he's still loved. Okay? Um, Roger Clemens. Took a while, came around Boston and New York. In a rarity, loved the same person. He's still beloved. Okay? Um, I'll go to another sport. Let's go to mixed martial arts. Chael Sonnen. It's always going to get work because he came clean. If the question is, why did you take performance-enhancing drugs? He says, he, he didn't lie. He didn't say, oh, I didn't know what was in it. Or, or, you know, they, I, that was a tainted supplement. Or I didn't know I was throwing in my body. And he says, no, I took it to enhance my performance. I'm not into the business of taking drugs that diminish my performance. That is why I took performance-enhancing drugs. So his satire and his honesty, however grotesque, was on Very. point, and he's likable. How about mm. our wheelhouse? How about Alex Kleinman? 
she popped for a banned substance um, that she that was in a supplement that she didn't know had the substance. And I know mm. elite athletes have to know what's being in their body, being thrown in their body. And in, and in, and I don't know if in her defense or not, but there are supplements you could buy at GNC that don't mention that that ingredients in there. And there's like at least four lawsuits that we know of uh, of UFC fighters suing. Uh, um, the supplement company because they lost two years of their life because USADA is not going to spend the money to investigate. Right. And and most of those fighters are broke. They don't have the money to investigate. Only Junior Dos Santos and those guys who made money are like, oh, okay, got to use my own money and find out what's on because I'm not a cheat. I don't cheat. I want you to watch a video uh, for the people listening. Go on YouTube. MMA on Point has this video, the top 10 fighters who got screwed by USADA. <laughs> They didn't get screwed by USADA. At the end of the day, they got screwed by tainted supplements. So Alex Kleiman, she pleads her innocence, and be, and my sniff test says I'm inclined to believe her. Okay, Alex Kleiman right now is the number one. Her and Kerry um, April Ross are the number one um, team in the United States and the number one and number two team in the in the entire world. They're going to the Olympics, and I'm looking forward to watching them. So back to Lance Storm. Watching the documentary, watching him go after reporters, watching uh, um, him threaten people, watch the government have his back as far as threatening people, watching his sponsors have his back. And, and there's two reasons why he's, he, he, he's despised. He's despised because he went after people. And the second reason, Rob, is it broke our heart. It broke my, it broke my heart. You know, it broke my heart because I believed him and me like many fans. Uh, went after people too and been like, you know what? Wow, you know, first time someone decides to fucking uh, work hard, and I just curse, but decides to work hard and, and do things the right way. Oh, PEDs. The man already lost, lost a nut. Now you're going to make him lose his mind, you know? Um, so two reasons. Yeah, I was heartbroken. He was one of the people. Did I, did I watch cycling before Lance Armstrong? Hell no, I didn't. The same way people never watch golf before Tiger Woods. And the same people, a lot of people don't even watch, never even watch tennis until Serena Williams. The man moved the needles. And he didn't do it being controversial. He did it uh, looking like he used the biggest secret of all, hard work. True. Very true. Yeah, man. I mean, he said it. He said most of it. I mean, oh, geez. Yeah, you said most of it, you know. Uh, I don't only have to echo most of what you said, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think um, I think the other the other thing that was really difficult was uh, Livestrong. You know, I think a lot of people maybe forget about that, but yep. he created a cancer uh, a project to fund cancer uh, research, and that was massive. I mean. That was the biggest cancer research or cancer donation to cancer research they, it still in the country. Lives. They still think they still write to him and thank him for it. Go ahead. Yeah, it, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's just crazy because he he was given he was trying to right his wrongs with you know who's trying to right his demons with by using his demons for 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 better purposes in some cases and in other cases you could say that he was just trying to you know uh, pay off his guilt you know. Uh, but like you said, uh, him going after other people and not just saying, you know what, I did it, my bad. Because um, eventually he's going to get caught. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do. Why do you think it went on Oprah? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, They're like, you better come clean or, or someone's going to, I mean, it's better that it comes from you, right? Yeah. And admit it on Oprah then. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. Man. I mean, it's just, it's just pretty crazy. Um, that's that I think Livestrong was one of the biggest things that was very disappointing for me because he was he was a cancer for survivor. He was getting money for cancer research and that all that is great because none of that has to do with him cheating in a cycling event, you know, and lying about it and destroying people's career because they caught him. But it's just that he's connected to all that. You know, in essence, there really shouldn't ever been a Livestrong taken away. You know, he did something wrong, but it wasn't like he was, uh, um, you know, extorting cancer patients for their money or to taking the money and, and putting it somewhere else. So it is a very uh, touchy subject. You know, it's kind of the same thing about the whole Michael Vick. You know, he did wrong in his life, but 
you know, he did a lot to change a lot of perception and, and, and try to change. Not the same with, with Lance Armstrong, just the same uh, magnitude, I would say, you know. Yeah, same I agree. Magnitude. Yeah, and Lance, he's, again, he's one of those people where he retired and he came out of retirement. And I was thinking to myself, let's say he retired, right? He, he went gone and stayed gone and then popped. They would not, he, would, they, he would not be villainized. He would not be villainized because there's nothing to deny or confirm at that point. In fact, he don't even have to comment. I'm not commenting on it. I'm not commenting on it. That's it. I mean, so, uh, so and that's why I think that's, that divides him from the other people who used. He could have retired, stayed gone. It could have come up later. Mark McGuire, he's still loved. And he, and he didn't take banned substances. That man took, took a performance-enhancing drug and a banned substance. I mean, that's the, the steroids he was using, he was juiced to the gills. <laughs> well, I think it just comes down to, and even past you know, sports, um, I think it just comes down to the moral decision that you take. You know, and you have to live with that decision. Because you know? look at a guy like Jose Canseco, uh, who he did the same exact things as all the other guys, but he got a way worse rap. Because Ooh. one, they got they asked him the questions and he lied. And then two, after he lied, he said, "Okay, I did it, but everybody else did it with me." You know, so he never tried to take his own uh, accountability for his actions. You know, and I think again, that's just Andy Pettit. I don't think that he's the only person that can get away with it because he's a white guy, because he's a pitcher, because he's you know a, a right. Yankee, but. I do believe that the way that he handled it, he put himself out to the public to be, you know, to be decided upon, to be judged. And I don't, I think that a lot of players try to put, take that into their own hands and say, I should only be judged this much. I should only be judged that much. Yeah. Um, and it's not because he's like a this, Yankee. Yeah, right? no. Uh, Did, just like this guy, Ryan Braun. I mean, he, I think that he went after people just as, like, not just as hard, but in the baseball sense of uh, in terms, he went after people very hard, like Lance Armstrong. And his career has never come back. Nobody really likes him anymore. Like, it, it's pretty crazy how things change like that. So you got to uphold your that's image yep. as well as, uh, you know, perform. You know, that's why I think that sports really is, uh, there. there really is, going back to our first issue, there is... Uh, a necessity in in having that entertainment in our society. Not only one because it's always been here, but two because that's what people look for. That's what people go to. So, open your platform for inspiration. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said, Rob McLean. Cool man. Uh, hey, last subject matter before we go to a good idea, a bad idea, and this this um this might be faster along. I think it's actually going to be really fast because we're going to ask us to pick one match. Um, the UFC. It's been one of the more active things during this COVID era where they've done, they found a safe way to have competitive mixed martial arts. Once again, Dana, big pair of balls between his legs. Big up to him for making all this happen and, 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 sites, that, and sites and environments that are as safe as you can be under these climates. It, actually, it's safer than a lot of households, if you ask me. It's safer than, go, than us going to, to, to Vons and back. Um, so with the last four events on, um, on tap, and almost an ultimate fighter uh, setting, right? Because there's no, um, no cheering. Yeah. It's like watching yeah. a reality show. Like you could hear the coaches loud and clear. You could hear, you know, uh, um, how, the, how the sound bounces back off yeah. of the stands. Yep. Yeah, you could just hear that dead sound. So, which match is? I'll just ask. What's which one was your favorite? Which one's the one you remember and still smile about? Well, the one that was most memorable to me was uh, uh, Tony and. Um, <clears throat> Gagey. Yeah. Uh, one, I think, just because it was very shocking um, how good Gagey looked, how stunning of, that, of a result that was, um, and just how dominant like Gagey fought. I, I, it's just very. Uh, he also fought a very clean fight. He fought an aggressive fight. When I never like, seen a fight just, like that. I think it was like one of the most well fought fights I've seen. Honestly, and uh, so I just very, very uh, maybe I just haven't seen a fight in a while, you know. But I thought he was just a, a phenomenal fighter that night, and and you know, stuffed takedowns and 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 dealt damage and 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 you know, in and out, fainted, and it was just a lot of great movement and just great terrific. working. Oh. Yeah, I really loved watching that fight. I really wish I, I saw maybe a little bit more from Tony, 
you know, but uh, again, he was training for a Khabib and you know how hard in your mind, your body, you got to train for a certain type of a fighter and then you completely switch it up. Um, I love that his mindset has never broken from that because I think he just went in and did Tony. I mean, he went in and did exactly what he needed to do. But uh, I think, you know, it was just a, a great fight. And I, I thought that was the most memorable for me. I've never seen Gaethje fight like that. I've never seen him do nope. slip in and out. He got a couple of power shots in, and instead of just going, continuing to go after him, assess the damage. No, not there yet. Slip in, slip out, stuff, takedowns. Uh, this way, you know, Tony tries to come left. He's gonna eat a he's gonna eat a kick, you know, to the body of the head if he dips down. It was a very, very, very smart fight by somebody knowing in their right mind can perceives as a smart fighter. <laughs> We ain't saying he's dumb, all right? I ain't making a logical leap to that. But when you think of intelligent fighters and, and fighters that have a game plan, we don't think of Gaethje. No. It's, but, especially, but he kind of does, though. No, he's 18-0 for a reason. He's always gotten yeah. smart. But he came, and by his own admission, he came into the UFC and says, I'd rather, I'm going to get knocked out because of the way I fight because I'm not interested in titles. I'm interested in exciting fights. And from, from the moment he stepped in an octagon and outside of whatever cage or the other promotion he was in, World Series of Fighting, he's been nothing but that. I think he's gotten fight of the night every single time out. That first fight against Michael Johnson. Thought he was going to get finished. He won. Great fight against Eddie Alvarez. Oh, my God. that was a, um, Great fight against uh, um, Dustin Poirier, who, by the way, as far as slips and smart boxing and dipping in and out and assessing the damage, I thought that was I thought that was um Dustin's night. I, um I want to commend him on that. So I've never seen I haven't seen Justin fight like this in a while. And you know what changed? It what changed is that he um his mindset changed. He's not just he doesn't just want exciting fights. Somewhere in the middle of this, he's like, I want the title. I think his coach He told his coach I want the coach, title. I think his coach <clears throat> was talking to him and it finally broke through to him because they were talking about it's Jackson's, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they were talking to him like, hey man, like you're always winning fights but you lose because you take damage and what's crazy about that is <clears throat> it's really more it's not like his defense is bad because he can defend you know he can defend takedowns he's great you know wrestler um he doesn't you know he doesn't shy away from a fight on his hands and he he, he can dodge and dip in a little bit but a lot of that is spacing a lot of that is distance a lot of that is you know do I want to engage right now or should I engage right now? Should I not, should I not engage? Yeah. And I, that's just being, you know, more mature fighter. And I think it's crazy how mature he got within what, two months. So I, I really yeah. think he's been training hard, yeah. hard. Well, and you he take, just changes, changes game. It was, a. I mean, it's something if we were on the inside, we probably wouldn't have picked Tony. I mean, Tony took this fight last, kind of last minute over Khabib. He was training for a wrestler, not not an elite striker, right? He's training for a wrestler because you know Khabib doesn't have those slips like 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 Justin Gaethje had, and Justin Gaethje's mindset changed where he said he wants the title, and he, and his coaches are like, you got to fight smarter. He look, the guy only lost twice. He came into the the um the UFC eighteen and zero. So I mean, um, you know, sometimes two losses against two worthy fighters that you. Thought you could if you fight him again, you could beat. Makes you change your mindset. So, Rob, my my match to remember, and I guess I'm going for the diehards only, um, not for the UFC casuals. Marvin Vittori, Marvin Vittori fought Robeson last weekend, and his striking was on point, and his jiu-jitsu is even more on point. The guy has 15 wins, nine of them by submission, two of them by a TKO or KO stoppage, and is and has fought matches where. Um, that brings new meaning to the term iron sharpens iron, right? He has a split decision loss to Israel Adesanya at 185. Actually went up to 205 and fought Glover Teixeira. And we know Glover is no day in the park for anybody as far as striking or whatever. His, that guy's idol is Mike Tyson, and he's kind of got a he's kind of got a right hand like Mike Tyson, though he doesn't have Tyson's left hand. <laughs> uh -uh. People forget Tyson's a lefty. Um, he's a lefty that, that um, was coached on how to fight right-handed. So, so Vittorini... 
Great victory. Uh, nice look. Good, good, you know, good handsome face. Calling out the champ. Knows he's got to fight a couple of more times. But um, it's something that he wants back. And it's something that the fans want because the fans are mentioning his name in regards to Adesanya more than any other fighter who are ranked above him. But expect to have a number by his name after this, this impressive victory over Robertson. And my recent C bias... Uh, um, says that's the match I like. That, that's the match I'm going to remember. Marvin Marvin Vittori, remember the name, people. Um, nice. Now we bring you to our section. Uh, you know what it is. Got to get the clock ready. Teching my own show, people. <laughs> Teching my own show. <laughs> All right, so Rob, our next section is going to be called Good Idea, Bad Idea. We got the countdown coming already. All right. So, Rob, good idea, bad idea. Reggie Bush should get his Heisman Trophy back. Um, mm, good idea. Um, I think Reggie, you know, just because he it was the money scandal, but, um, yeah, NCAA has been trying to uh, make people, uh, control people for a long time, so it, it really makes no sense for them to, to – uh, rescind anything, but uh, I absolutely believe that he should get his Heisman back. He earned it. Yeah, Rob, I'm going to have to agree with you. Good idea. Okay, you got people um who make mistakes in the NCAA all the time. Coaches are seem to be seem to be the exception that rewrites the rule. Rick Pitino, one of my favorite coaches, he's he's back in the NCAA after this after a money laundering scandal, right? Um, Twice. <laughs> and and in light of the fact that right to likeness has become a big thing in the NCAA, and people get to profit from their own likeness, I think Reggie Bush, when he, you know the man uh, took money. He's sorry. He's he's a grown man. We're all we're all a little bit much more older and wiser since then, and um, and I think he should be forgiven. And more than be forgiven, he should get his Heisman back. It's 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 what he he didn't he didn't they didn't pay other people to 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 make him to, to you know to miss to miss him to miss tackles on him, <laughs> right? So true. Um, Rob, question two. Good idea, bad idea. And you're going to love this one just for a little fun. Matt James, he's a wide receiver at Wake Forest, is named to be in the, uh, is the guy named to be in the next Bachelor, The Bachelor. First African-American in The Bachelor. Good idea, bad idea. Uh, great idea. I mean, I don't know why it took this long. Is it like season uh, 18 or something like that? So um, it took a long time and... Uh, I just hope there's a lot more uh, choices than there usually is. It's usually one type of a female on that show. So maybe this is, you know, the, the opening up of a new direction for The Bachelor. I say good idea because Wake Forest is not exactly a popular school when it comes to football, okay? If you're going to get any kind, of, any kind of exposure that you can get, I would say get this. And in light of the fact the NCAA has given their people the right to likeness, this is a shining example of how this man's strength is going to play to the needs of The Bachelor because it's long overdue that they should have had an African-American candidate. What the hell is wrong with them? Don't they think white women love black men? <laughs> Rhetorical question. The answer is yes, they do, okay? So as far as modeling, and being able to profit from yourself instead of the NCAA paying you cash? Good idea. Rob McLean, good idea, bad idea. Cleveland Browns offering Miles Garrett a mega extension. Good idea, bad idea? Uh, great idea um, because he is that type of player. He is a generational talent. Oh, he's so easy. Um, But I would just make sure they put some clauses in there or something that make him have to go to, you know, go and get just just some sort of like, you know, psychiatrist, somebody to talk to, because um, no matter what, even if you're on a football field and somebody says something like that, you need to be able to restrain, your, with, with, uh, restrain yourself. Um, yeah, and just... Especially it needs to come with like some asterisk. <laughs> yeah, I say, Rob, I say good idea, and and it's because his his numbers and his uh, his performance befits his numbers, and I think that's what he'd like his reputation to be. Okay, his reputation got a little bit tarnished because he roughed up a quarterback. Quarterback had a problem with it, and he hit the quarterback with the helmet, and and, and you do need some anger management. But the Cleveland Browns, he knows he's got. There's not, he's not going to find a better deal than what Cleveland has, who actually not only support him but celebrate the fact that he did something so stupid but real quick before we go on please just think about it 
in a couple years, like let's say 10 years, when you think back, uh, oh, this guy, Miles Garrett, took off the helmet of this guy and roughed up the quarterback, took off his helmet and hit him in the head with it, you're going to think, holy heck, this guy is probably a monster who just like beat this guy's head into the ground. And then you actually see the tape of this guy getting held back by two other guys and the guy without the helmet running after him and getting bonked in the head. They're going to be like, wait, this guy, it was a whole big thing because of this? So I'm just going to say it's going to be real interesting in the history. Rob, I cringed when I saw that, my man. <laughs> I know that I know it's not as bad as like if someone wasn't there was saying it would like what you think, and I'll totally read you. But you know, look, my head's hard enough to take that shot. It's not, but it ain't for everybody. <laughs> hey, hey, um, last topic. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, don't don't be saying them things, man. <laughs> Am I getting you, you on the field with the helmet on? Yeah, watch. Keep my, it my on. Helmet come. Come out of if nowhere it, from if Kelly. If the helmet's off, don't go running after the biggest guy on the field. Yeah, your quarterback, yeah, you don't come. I mean, come don't on, be man. pulling that tough guy stuff with Miles yeah, Garrett. <laughs> yeah, come on. All right, last one's good idea, bad idea, but I have a feeling um, it's going to end with our uh, um, our final thoughts so we could seep into that, but we'll see. we're going to start the clock, okay? Rob, good idea, bad idea. NASCAR to get rid of the Confederate flag. Yeah, I mean, great idea. I, I've been saying this for a while. Like, I don't know why it's taking this long. Um, and it is going to bleed into the second uh, topic just because, um, you know, I, to me, I understand, uh, the like, big states, small states. But that is what uh, the House of Representatives is for. That's what the Senate is for. That's what our executive government is for. Uh, that's we – don't, we don't cherish those – pieces of government with a flag and that's because we have only one flag in this country and that is the american flag so if you are you know putting yourself up to another flag that is the problem because that's a whole nother secret sect of our country that loves something other than our country that's a problem that's a secret society why aren't we talking about that that's been from civil war and we're not taking care of that. Sorry to take up our time. No, you keep going. You got to finish, right? No, nah, we, we. You got. You got. You got some, and then we gonna finish on the end. All right. All right, Rob. Not just a good idea. I think it's a great idea. Okay. It's one of those things that are long overdue, and I'm gonna take all the time I need, just like just like you did, because this is important. Um, I think it's a good idea because one, there's a. Uh, an athlete who's African American is like, do we need to have that thing around? And you know, you know, and 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 it goes to what I was saying last week on my last podcast about the difference between someone doing something and saying something because it's in their heart, or doing something and saying something because of what's missing in their head. All right, it's one of those guys. It's, he's all right. Listen, basically for those listening, black guys like, do we need to have that flag around? Bunch of rednecks look at each other. Nah. Nah, <laughs> we, nah, we don't need it. Nah, where it's just a flag. It's gone. Bye. <laughs> you know, so, so the, as to the question of what took so long, I think people need to be um, a little empathetic and a, a little sympathetic to people's stupidity. We give people too much credit. No, they knew it was there. They know what it means. They know it the whole time. No, 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 we don't. I mean, that's what we think. And sometimes that's not what they know. I'll give you a great example. During my time, there was a show that kept us home on Friday night. The Dukes of Hazard. okay? Um, first there was the Incredible Hulk, all right? The Dukes of Hazard, and then Dallas. <laughs> Who shot JR? You're young, you look it up on your own. I ain't getting to all that, okay? Oh, all right, yeah. the Dukes of Hazard had a car called the General Lee, this big orange car. Yeah. And on the front of the car is a Confederate flag, and the horn is Yeah. Did white people watch this show? Yes. Did African Americans watch this show? You know you did. Don't lie. Don't lie. Because I had a friend of mine was like, no, I don't think African Americans watch that show. And I'm like, let me ask you a question. That guy that made the song, Look at Them Girl with the Daisy Duke song, what do you, what do you think he was talking about? A, a pair of rabbit ears? No, he's talking about Daisy Duke, a character on the Dukes of Hazard, who, who wore a pair of denim shorts that are captioned and named after her, Daisy Duke. Okay? So... Black people are watching Dukes of Hazard. White people are watching the Dukes of Hazard, and then we become aware of this flag. 
Not because we should have known the whole time. Maybe we should have. But to suggest that someone knew the whole time and didn't give, didn't give an F and, and the seriousness of the history, I think that's reverse uh, um, non-candidness. <laughs> Okay. That's true. So again, people, let's let's be a little empathetic, okay? Because everybody's trying to meet in the middle, and everybody's saying we're all we're wearing this together, and they're trying to show it. And when someone's trying to show it, don't be so damn unforgiving because you know you know you didn't you, you're not the first one to cast you. Let he who is with without sin cast the first stone, and you know you haven't lived your life perfectly either. Calm down. Absolutely. All right, hey, uh, before I go. Um, we were going to do a top five coaches, uh, and eventually we're going to do top five players for our wheelhouse of sport of beach volleyball. Um, but I want to give uh, J- uh, Jeff Alzina a big shout out. I was listening to a, a tube cast I did a couple a couple of years ago. He was one of the people that came on my, my show, along with Taylor Crabb, along with Todd Rogers, uh, Matt Olson, and Christian Cold, who's um, the assistant coach for Long Beach State women's beach volleyball team, who's Mike Campbell's assistant. Big up to all you guys that helped put me up because now I don't need anybody to put me up. But back then when I was coming up and I was trying to make friends, you guys, you know, you just picked up the phone and said yes. And that, and that, that was really real. Jeff Alzina came on twice. Jeff Alzina, when I do my coaches list, I'm going to save everybody the time. He's number two and number one on my list. So that's a spoiler or a hint. Uh, Rob, anything you want to plug before you leave? Losing my voice. The hell? Did I just lose you? Well, it appears I lost Rob. And we're going to try to find him. We're going to try to bring him back. All right, let's do that. We'll try to bring him back in a little bit, people. Rob is trying to get a, a final thoughts. And just want to see if there's anything he wants to say. Just want to see if he has anything he wants to say before we check out. Rob, are you there? Hey, Jay, you here? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I'm just, my bad. I, uh, my phone died. That's okay. Hey, listen, uh, we could wrap up from here. Anything you want to finish? Um... Nah, but I would like to touch on the uh, nationalism and, and uh, nationalism and what's it called uh, patriotism next week maybe. Okay. Did you want to do wait till next week? Okay. I like it because it gives you more room, you know. Because and right now we're over an hour or so, and um, you know your voice your voice is uber important in some so many ways, you know, just as if not more than mine. And um, um, let's wait till next week to do that. Is that what you want to do? Yeah, just because it's gonna it's just yeah. I should have just rolled on with the last with the last piece, but uh-huh. uh, yeah, I might as well just do it next week. Maybe we'll, I'll think of something to to try to ask a question about, or it could just be my last. It could be my rave for next week. Cool, it is a rave. All right, all right, Rob. So I guess that's it. Hey, people, right. we had Rob for most of the show. Held on as long as he could. <laughs> <laughs> respect to that dude respect to rob mclean mclean respect to everybody who's coming and listened in on the podcast on itunes and spotify on this episode respect to everybody who's, gonna, who's watching on the watch party facebook respect to everybody watching on facebook my respect to all of you for rob keep it mclean mclean i'm jason the biz this is episode 21 and we are out B.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.